Hi, welcome to Your Cron, short for Your Chronicles. I'm your host, Scott Pitney. Your Cron is a podcast where we chronicle ordinary people in their extraordinary stories. We refer to ordinary people on this show as people who are non-celebrities. Our goal is simple, keep our audience entertained and occasionally perhaps even inspire, motivate, or educate while our guests build their audio legacy via this unique opportunity. So let's get right to our next extraordinary story. I am very excited to have our next guest on your cron today. Ashley Atwood is from Bryan, Texas. Ashley first hit the stage at five years old and no one has been able to get her off it since. She has an associate's degree in dance from Kilgore College where she was a rangerette and a bachelor of science in sports management from Texas A&M University. Giggum. <laughs> After living in New York City for three years, she's now living in Los Angeles, pursuing her film career. Mm -hmm. She can currently be found on stage as Meg in Crimes of the Heart, directed by Holly Gagnier at Playhouse West, while working on two upcoming feature films called Murder Mountain and The Poison Rose, starring opposite Morgan Freeman, Forrest Whitaker, and John Travolta. Her past theater credits include Carol in North of Providence, Victoria in Motherfucker with the Hat, Mimi Marquez. <laughs> That's a crazy play, by the way. <laughs> it's a crazy title. Uh, uh, I, I would go see that just for the title alone. Yeah, most people do. <laughs> Mimi Marquez in Rent. Christine in A Chorus Line, Sally Tally in Tally's Folly, and Roz in Moon Over Buffalo. TV and film credits include Battle Creek with Josh Duhamel, Entertainment with John C. Riley, The Bronx Bull with William Forsythe, and Mordecai with Johnny Depp. It's the Depp. Yeah, very cool. Produce, yeah. Producer credits include Mimi's Misadventure, Bordered, The Fantasy Club, and An Average Woman's Revolt. To see more, you can visit ashleyatwood.biz and benjaminproductions.com or follow all social media with the handle at ashleyatwoodbiz. All of Ashley's work is de- dedicated to her mom, her dad, in Ashley's son, as she affectionately refers to as her little man, Cole, who inspires her daily. Ashley sends her love to all. All of Ashley's information mentioned here can also be found at yourcrom.com. Wow, what a resume. Ashley, welcome <laughs> to your Crom. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, to give our listeners a little background on, on how you and I met, uh, I was fortunate to have met Ashley on set when she was working in Houston during the 48-hour film contest, which was a blast. And for those that don't know, the 48-hour film contest, you have exactly 48 hours to make a film from nothing to final product. 
Right. And it is, a, it is a challenge. It is a ton of fun. And I don't know about you, but I learned a lot from, from that 48 hours. I learned that I don't want to do those again. <laughs> <laughs> that was the number one thing. <laughs> yes, it, it was a grind. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, a, a, a good uh, learning experience, especially for me, because I was just starting in, in that. Uh, business and uh, but what I do remember after working with you Ashley is that you were one of the most dedicated even at that time one of the most dedicated driven and passionate performers I've met so it doesn't surprise me that you're still in the biz today and I can't imagine you doing anything else so where is a good place to start your extraordinary story oh gosh um you know, it, it, when you talked to me, I was like, I don't know if my, my story is extraordinary, but uh, I just I just can't imagine myself doing anything else either. Uh, I started dancing when I was five, uh, and I literally have not left the stage since then. I, I, I danced every year, danced professionally in New York, I went to college for dance. Um, I tried the what what most people call the a normal job <laughs> for, <laughs> for for about two years, um, maybe even less, and I I couldn't I, it wasn't a lifestyle that was meant for me. So I quickly got back on the stage and found the Houston life, the Houston film life, uh, which was exhilarating, you know, to me. Uh, my first time playing in the film medium versus the stage. And I learned so much in Houston and I loved the, the community that that you guys have out there. I mean, I remember going to weekly meetups and, and everybody was just working with each other and the creative drive was so high and they just wanted to make fun things and just do stuff because they wanted to make their mark in Houston or in Texas or in the film career film community in general and and it was a lot of fun out there I really I really miss you guys actually yeah um so you said you worked a couple of years is this after you graduated college or what, uh, what? it was yeah it was during my after I went to Texas A&M I have a sports management degree and I had to, had to do my internship through sports management and I was a uh I was the off-season event coordinator for the Brazos Valley Bombers um, through my internship, and then I got hired full-time um, after that. And it was a fun job, but it just didn't allow me to express myself creatively and, and do what I just know I was born to do. And so I eventually had to figure something else out. So. And the Brazos Valley Bombers are... Oh, they're a, they're a college league, uh, a summer league for college players. So out, they're out in Bryan, Texas. And for which? College Station, Bryan College Station, Brazos Valley. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For any particular sport or? Baseball. Oh, baseball. Okay. Sorry. Of course, everybody knows who the Brazos Valley Bombers are. <laughs> <laughs> baseball players it's it's like it's like my it's like going to a minor league game yeah uh, a minor league baseball game they have like little uh, games in between innings and and it's a really small smaller community and you actually get to 
you know, have a good time at the stadium rather than just watching the game like you do in pro games. Uh, there's a lot more interaction. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So um, we kind of jumped from age five to uh, when you graduated college and worked in a field that you realized uh-huh. uh, wasn't fulfilling uh, enough for you. Uh, mm-hmm. What about your your time in grade school, junior high, high school? Uh, did you uh, take drama classes and were you pretty involved with acting at that time? I was mo- more involved in dance. Uh, I did my dance recitals every year. Uh, and then when I was in junior high, I started going on weekends to what was called dance conventions and, uh, and competitions and started getting more involved in a, in a grander scheme of dance. And that's when I first realized that, that people could do this professionally. Like I was going to these conventions and the teachers and the dancers, and I was looking at their resumes and uh, they were doing the music videos and all that kind of stuff. And, and for some, I mean, like I guess I was 12, so that's pretty young. Uh, I didn't really realize that that was a job, that you could get paid for it until then. And I was like, that's when I'd seen the light. That's what I was going to do. Uh, and every, every minute of my extra free time was, was devoted to, to that accomplishment. Um, when, when I went to high school, I was on the dance team. I was captain of the dance team in senior, my senior year. I mean, in high school, I would get up at, at 5 a.m. I was on the swim team to like condition myself. Then we had 7 a.m. dance practice. Then we went to school. And then after school, I ran four miles. And then I went to my private dance lessons. And then on the weekends, I drove to Dallas, which from Brian is about a four-hour drive, um, to, to work and work with with dancers that had worked with, um, you know, Janet Jackson and, and a lot on a much higher level than I could find in Brian. Wow. So that was my high school years. So yeah, that, so that part of your life was devoted to dance. When, mm-hmm. when did, uh, acting come into the picture or was that something kind of in the back of your mind you always had an interest in? Well, when I was dancing, I did a lot of choreography and, uh, my college, years when they asked me to choreograph stuff, they, they complimented me in a way the same that your, your choreography always told story. And I've always loved the musicals and brought, you know, Broadway musicals, which in itself, the dance tells a story through the song. And so in a way I was still, I was already acting. Uh, I didn't really know that that's what I was doing. It just was, you know, I was living in that, in that moment and telling that story emotionally as well as physically. Um, and so the transition to acting really came quite naturally to me. Um, I started once, once I got out of college and I went to New York, danced professionally, uh, and really saw the level of dance that was out there, um, realized that maybe I should take a different direction. <laughs> Cause I was good. I was pretty damn good, but those girls, they're ridiculous. So whole new level. Uh, yeah, and so I started trying to find my way a different route, and that's kind of what this industry is. You just gotta find your, you gotta find your way. Um, it's not always gonna be exactly what you thought it was gonna be, um, and so so that's kind of how acting came into it. I I remember um, after after my real job, right? My son was actually born by this time. Um, 
I went to this audition for an sh- um, agent manager showcase in Florida. I got the I got the the showcase. I was able to go to Florida and audition for agents and managers from LA, New York, and all this other kind of stuff. And my response was extremely flattering. I had never I I I'd done acting as far as musicals and stuff are concerned, but I'd never like studied the the craft specifically other than like what my musical theater teacher sent me to you know let's work on this and he sent me to that kind of stuff um but the response I got was great I had agents and managers kind of uh bidding on me uh to to take me on and so I was like well maybe maybe that's the direction I should go because they were like you need to you need to work on film you need to work on film uh, and I never considered myself pretty enough to be on film. And I don't mean to say that in a weird way, I mean, you know, in a I'm fishing for compliments way. It's just, I was always teased growing up and all that kind of stuff. So my self-esteem didn't find myself pretty enough to be on film. So I went back to Texas after that and I was like, okay, how do I get into film? And I found um, the Houston casting, I don't even remember what those casting websites are anymore, but there was like the local casting website out there. Um, and I found this audition for a feature film called Suicide Notes. And do you remember Suicide Notes? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, directed by Travis Ammons. And so I submitted my resume and <laughs> it was full of theater stuff, but obviously no film stuff. And I got the audition for one of the supporting roles named Wilma and uh, went in and it was just like a theater audition. We were in a, a conference room instead of a theater, but there were a bunch of people in there and he had cameras set up and a backdrop. And so I went in and he goes, okay, Ashley, go read for Amanda. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the size I have. I have, I have Wilma size. Right. And then he was like, you're not Wilma, you're more of Amanda. And, and had reading the script that was the lead, that was the lead role. So I went outside, learned those sides, and came in and auditioned for it. And after, I think we had two more callbacks after that, I got the lead role in Suicide Notes. And I was really flattered and excited. And that experience, I learned, it was like jumping headfirst off of a high dive into the deep end of film, right? Right. It was a it was definitely a huge learning experience. Thank God for the the DP, uh, Larry McKee. Mm. The DP is director of photography, for those that don't know. Um, he runs the camera. Yeah. Uh, Travis would say some direction, you know, stage lingo or, or film lingo, and, and, and Larry would kind of whisper in my ear what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Same thing with Jared, who played the, who played the love and my love interest in the movie. He would, he would kind of whisper to me, uh, what that with the with the lingo meant to kind of help me around set and, and everything and, and it was a really fun experience I was really 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 happy to be a part of all of that so well I'm going to go back to something uh, that you mentioned you went in to read for Wilma and got another part yeah uh, I, I don't know that has happened to me on several occasions mm-hmm. and um is it common in Los Angeles as well? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, you 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 know you, you get a picture of somebody, and it's who they think 
the picture is, you know, for the character description, and um, and then you get to the casting office, and the person gives a different gives has a different energy about them. Um, and I, you know, when I cast Mimi's Misadventure, the same thing happened to me for a couple of guys um, that I, you know, for a part I was casting. I had two parts. One was really like dirty and grimy and weird, and the other one was like. In a, in a three-piece, you know, a vest and a tie, and he was more clean-cut and, and orderly. And the pictures I got, I would put them, okay, let's let's audition you for this part and you for this part. And when they got there, I was like, no, no, no. No, I don't see you as that. Can you go outside and learn and learn these lines? Um, so definitely happens a lot. It's happened to me a, a whole bunch. And I've even been in casting offices. In L.A., they have... Um, different types of casting offices. They have private casting offices, which, you know, bring you in for their, their bigger offices so they don't have to do a shared space, right? Mm. And then there are shared space casting offices that have independent casting directors coming, doing a bunch, you know, there's like maybe eight to ten rooms, and each room is a different casting director casting different things. Mm. And so you're in the waiting room and, and you're in the waiting room with actors that are auditioning for 10 different projects rather than actors that are just auditioning for one project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll be in the waiting room and sometimes there's people from different movies that are like, hey, can you know, like you look like what we're, we're trying, we're looking for, do you mind picking up the sides and doing cold read for us? And I love it when that happens. That's just a, a bonus opportunity sure. to get in front of people. So, but it definitely happens a lot. Yeah. So you moved to, to New York um, and, mm-hmm. then, and then to L.A. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, maybe take us through that decision process because I know that's not an easy decision. And uh, is that something that you knew you would eventually do one day? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, well, like I had said, like I never really pictured myself in the film industry. I just always thought I was going to be a dancer and on stage and doing theater. It's all I really knew um, until I got to New York and I was like, oh, oh. (laughs) 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 And also moving, you know, I hadn't been in the Houston film industry yet. Um, I I went to to New York directly after my associates in dance from Kilgore. So I was uh, 20, I was 20 years old and uh, I thought I was, you know, queen, and I was going to walk into New York, and everybody was going to fall in love with me, and everything was going to be dandy, <laughs> and that wasn't the case, and, you know, I wasn't used to being told no, either, uh, at that time, I think I'd only auditioned for one thing, maybe two, and didn't get the part, um, and so... <laughs> to get told no on a very, 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 very regular basis was like a shock to my system. I didn't really know how to handle it yet. It was, mm. it was really young and green. And so after about three years, I had to take a step back and reevaluate what I was doing because I, was, I wasn't doing what I needed to be doing. I didn't know how to do what I needed to be doing. So I went moved back to Texas, and um, that's, that's when I got my, my real degree and my real job met who's you know I met my 
who became my husband at the time and had my son, uh, all that stuff before it just really sunk in that this is not, this is not my life. This is not what I was meant to do. So, uh, so yeah. So then I, after, after my experience in the film and Houston film industry, I was like, this is, I need to go to LA while I can. You know, if I don't go now and like try to push this in a real direction, I'll never know. I can always move back to Texas. I can always move back. But unless I give it a, a shot now and see what I can do, I, I will never do it. So that's what I did. Right. And how long have you been there now? I've been here for six years. God, the time flies out here, I swear. Wow. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Yes, it does. Wow, six years. That is awesome. Yeah, we probably met each other about eight, seven or eight years ago. Yeah, that, yeah I was thinking seven to nine. Don't know the exact year, but that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. Yeah, it is. What are some of the more memorable projects you worked on and why do they stand out for you? As a whole or out here in LA? Either or. Uh, well, oh, gosh, I have got, had, I've been so blessed to work on a lot of things and in, in Texas, the talent pool's smaller. And so I was able to work on, uh, bigger parts and like feature films and, and really, uh, like I shot like, I think five feature films in in two years. Um, and I finally, six years later, I've got two parts of feature films. <laughs> you know, like finally got feature films out here. It's been a, it's a definite different journey. Um, so I would say probably one of my favorite parts in, in Texas could either be, I play a villain in a movie. Uh, I think it's called Manifesto now. The, 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 the title keeps changing. Mm. And that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, to play the villain and just be somebody that I'm not on yeah. a normal basis, face to face, just being this this horrible person and trying to find what you know. Because all villains, they don't think they're bad. They think they're they're thinking they're doing the right thing. So it's like, what are they? What is it about them that they think is they're doing right and and finding those little pieces? And that was a lot of fun. Uh, so. That's probably my favorite out in Texas. And, uh, oh, that was directed by Everett Ponte, by the way, who's out here in LA now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was filmed in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will never forget the day that I got to work with Johnny Depp. Oh my God. I mean, it's Johnny Depp. It's got yeah. Johnny Depp. I, I'm trying to and, still get my head around that. It's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was one day I was playing a caterer at a party. I didn't have any lines. I was just doing this little stunt trick with the drinks and the tray and like moving, you know, it was a, it was a joke that we had to play for the movie mm. and I was a caterer. And so my time to shoot this little scene and the director brings me over and, and Johnny goes, hi, I'm, I'm Johnny. What's your name? And I was like, <laughs> I'm Ashley. Nice to meet you. You know, I was like, like, I mean, I'm sure he knows that people know his name, but 
he he just treated me like I was a you know that I wasn't a nobody. I was another actor working on this part with him, and and I was equally important to making this movie successful as he was. Um, and that really kind of set the bar for me to like either a how to treat everybody else on set, and two like how I should be treated on set. And it raised the value of myself. And I was like, you know what? If Johnny Depp can treat me with that kind of respect and, and, and graciousness, then anybody can treat me with that kind of... And, and I learned to not tolerate um, being treated less than. Um, and that has really elevated my, my status because I don't let myself get walked on anymore. Um, but I do remember after shooting that scene, kind of going into a little private corner where nobody could see me and crying because I, I knew at that moment like how many people get that opportunity to work with a legend such as Johnny Depp. And I was like thinking about how lucky I was. And I'm going to tear up right now <sighs> just because um, it was just a really, really, really cool moment. Really cool moment. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, anytime I get a part now, I jump up and down. And the bigger the part is, the more exciting it is. And, you know, I'm getting the chance. I shoot the end of June with, with Morgan Freeman and, and Forrest Whitaker and John Travolta. And I'm going to be on set with all three of them. And, and this time I have lines and, and stunts and all this other kind of stuff. And I know that that's going to be another one of those moments where I'm just like in awe of how lucky I am to, to be able to, to put myself in, in these, opportunities because it didn't come easy i you know it's been six years of really busting my ass and 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 trying to find my way and meeting the right people and and developing my craft and you know it's it's not an easy track but once you get those little nuggets it's very very worth it that's one of the reasons i i think today that your story is extraordinary to me is you know (laughs) Uh, especially uh, in the short time that I was involved with uh, acting and that kind of stuff here in Houston, you, you meet a lot of people and a lot of them say they may go to LA one day and a lot of them do, but you've had the staying power. And, <laughs> and that's, that's a huge difference because, and that's kind of where uh, I want to go next is um, we, we all know the, uh, are pretty familiar with the challenges, the general challenges of living in, uh, big cities like New York City and LA, the traffic and it's expensive and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but what what are some uh, what are some challenges, Ashley, that maybe you didn't expect when you got to to either one of those cities? Uh, I can't really talk too much about New York anymore because it's been so long, mm-hmm. and I was so young I had a different perspective I think on it Mm -hmm. Uh, but here in LA I think I think the the biggest surprise to me was how hard it is just to get the audition Mm. Uh, just to get in the room is a fight Uh, over a thousand people submit to one part man submit wow Uh, so a casting director puts out I need a, a tall, blonde, all-American girl that can play this type of role 
available these days, auditions this day, shoots this day, go. And over a thousand people will submit to that. Wow. So if you get the audition, you're already in the top 10%. And then you gotta go to the next round and get the actual, the actual part. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't realize that, how many, how hard it is just to get the audition. I thought, you know, just get me in the room and I'll be fine. You know, I'll just, you know, it's a numbers game, right? Like you go and you do good work and you go and you just audition until you get the part, but just getting the audition is, is a pain in the rear end. So that's why I started producing my own things is because um, it it, give, it gave me the opportunity to work on things without having to wait for the audition to come along. Um, and so I started working on my own stuff and, and that has been a, a path that has really opened a lot more doors uh, than, than just auditioning and just being an actress. Um, I, it, it in itself has, has been, I think, the key to, to whatever success I've had so far. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that as well, that, um, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of people that uh, are inspired to do what you've done. Um, are there any do-overs that, that you could share or, or some kind of advice for people that are wanting to follow in your footsteps? Did you say do-overs? Do-overs, yeah. Oh, unfortunately, we don't get those guys. <laughs> Well, right. That's probably the wrong word, but uh, maybe maybe just general advice uh, for somebody wanting to come out to LA to be in the in film business. Well, I think um, I think coming and bringing your your A game mm. and in what you think is your A game is probably more like an element of P game. Mm. Uh, so just be ready to to bring it and and to every day do something that's gonna make you better. Um, that's I mean I have a group of people that I I rehearse and, and work on my craft in itself every day. Mm-hmm. I have somebody either I'm going somewhere or I'm I have people coming over and we're practicing. I um, have a group of filmmakers that we meet every week and we make a short film every month to practice and make ourselves better. Um, In this industry, especially here in LA, there's always somebody better than you, period. Um, And, and you gotta, you gotta aspire to be that. You gotta look for those people and you gotta, um, try to get those people that are better than you in your circle so you can learn from them and you can, you know, it's, it's just a constant growth thing. Um, and if you let your guard down for one minute, the person that was just underneath you is not going to be above you and he or she's going to get that, that opportunity. So, uh, don't let your guard down, keep growing, um, and, and, and make your own opportunities. I think that's the, I kind of always knew that, but I, for the first several years, I was like, well, I need to, I need to grow my network. I, I, I kept making excuses to not produce my own things and not take charge of my own career. Um, and it wasn't until I said, screw all that. I'm just going to material. <laughs> I'm just going to figure it out um, and do it. Uh, 
when my career really started to take shape and and take off. Um, and so just find a way to make it work and, and, and don't give up because, you know, people come out just like I did and thinking that I was going to get all these auditions and within within a year or two, I was going to be guest starring on TV shows and da, 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 da. And some people have that. So it's great. You know, some people get that and, um, and I'm jealous of them, but that's not how it works for the majority of us. And, um, and, and you said it's staying power, it's tenacity. It's who can, it's all about who you know. And if you take off in two years, then you don't know a lot of people or you have a relationship with them at least. So, Talk about the uh, process or routine that you personally go through to prepare for a performance. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's going to depend on the performance, I think. Um, there's a lot of different types of, of roles, and some of them are so close to who I am as a person that it's just like putting a costume on and... and you know, okay, I'm a nurse. <laughs> you know, it's me, but I'm now I'm a nurse, and so what's some, some like things that, uh, that you know nurses do that you know what's the lingo? What 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 would a daily life be for a nurse? But as far as personality is concerned, it's just me. Um, however, for Murder Mountain that I have coming up, this girl she's taking a lot of work. Um, so I play another villain, which I love playing villains. Um, and I get to be, uh, some kind of like mountain woman, right? Like grown up in the mountains with, with my two cohabitors it, and, and we're all sleeping together and I, we, we hunt people and murder people and, uh, <laughs> I'm saying it with a smile on because it's so much fun, but like I'm dirty. I, you know, probably haven't washed my hair in ages and my teeth are, are going to be all rotted out. I'm wearing my brother's clothes, you know, like it's just filthy. And so a lot of it is like going in and, and kind of just sitting with this imagination of what it would be like to, to have that life, to grow up like that. And, and what are the behaviors that are going to happen? What is the physicality that's going to come out of somebody that hasn't bathed in God knows how long or hasn't really had true human interaction in God knows how long. Um, so a lot of it is just coming up with stuff in your imagination, like how, what would this be like? And what, you know, uh, how would my behaviors change and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's very different. Then you've got roles that, you know, I have a, a role that's I, not, the film's not funded yet. So I'm, I have to wait for that, but uh, she's a stripper. I gotta learn how to pole dance. I don't know how to pole dance. So, you know, there's, then there's that. Then there's that you gotta go learn to do something that's completely different. So it really just depends on the role, but a lot of it is your imagination and, and figuring out if this was my life, what, what would I do? How would I behave? How would I treat other people? What's my point of view? All that kind of stuff, so. And the last question. <laughs> yes, very, very accurately. I, I, uh, um, I was also wondering if there were any kind of specific, maybe sort of meditative or breathing exercises or any 
physical mm. kind of things like that that you do to prepare? Uh, I think it also, that depends on your technique. I don't mm. do any breathing exercises except just to remember to breathe mm. uh, because <laughs> that is very relaxing. Mm -hmm. uh, I try to, like backstage or anything when I'm waiting for a, uh, an audition or something, my heart will pound so much because I'm excited or I'm nervous or if it's adrenaline or for whatever reason. And um, I just have to take deep breaths and, and that slows my heart rate down and it helps me relax. And the more relaxed I am, the more I can, I can feel what the other person is doing to me. And, you know, we, we, we act off of other, other people or the scenario. I mean, it could be, you know, just the house itself. But if I'm relaxed, it, I can f truly feel in my heart and in my soul and in my emotions how that ch changes me. If you say something hurtful for me, if I'm tense and, and nervous about the audience or the camera, I'm not going to truly feel that hurt that you just spat at me mm. um, or whatever it may be. And so I just try to relax as much as possible. Um, if I can doze off wait, wait, waiting for an audition, then then I'm do, I'll be great when I walk in. Just as long as I don't miss them calling my name because I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's practicing breathing a little bit uh, too much. <laughs> just, it's just clearing your mind, you know? It's, right. it's, it's not letting the anxiety inhibit your performance. We all get nervous. I've been doing this for so long and I still like have, you know, those moments where I just have to take a deep breath, slow my heart rate down, clear my mind and, um, and, and do what, do the work. I've already done the work. So I just have to let it go and let it be and whatever, you know, if I didn't do the work, if I didn't prepare for the audition, then it's going to suck. So there's no use being nervous. Just do the work, get your shit done, because if you don't, the person coming right after you and the person that came in right before you did do the work and they're gonna get the part. So just do the work. When you come into the room, all you have to figure out is how to relax before you go in and then just let it be. It sounds so much easier than it really is, but no, I mean, I get it. did it. Yeah, no, I get it, I get it. Um, so the pole dancing role, have you thought about where you're gonna practice this? I have a friend that's a that's a dancer, and she has a pole in her apartment, okay. and so she's going to teach me. She's going to give me some lessons, but I'm not I'm not starting yet. The fund's not even funded, I'm, you know. So I'll, otherwise, I'll just be pole dancing forever. And no offense to any pole dancers, I don't I don't want to be doing that forever. So <laughs> uh, so as soon as I have some shoot dates, hopefully I can I can have like four to eight weeks to to kind of learn some moves and I don't have to be, I don't have to be the world uh, champion of pole dancing. I just need to be able to do a couple of moves really, really well. <laughs> right, right. So in, in terms of goal setting and um, achieve, achieving your dreams in general, are, are there any specific um, practices or techniques, for example, some People like to put things on mirrors that they see every day and that kind of stuff. Do you you practice yeah. anything like that? Yeah, I do. I um, I my next goal. I mean, I have lots of little goals, but my biggest, my next biggest goal 
for my production company for the, my movie Bordered, I want to raise a million dollars to produce it. And so I have on my phone every three or four hours, I have a reminder that pops up. I've raised a million dollars for my first, uh, my first million dollars for Ben Jamin Productions uh, movie, and I have it written in lipstick on my mirror, and uh, and I I I see it all the time, and I say it out loud, and and I get excited about it because it I, it feels real to me. Um, so yeah, I do do that. I I write it down, and I and I see it all the time. I'm like okay, this is my goal. This is my goal, and and it also reminds me, okay, what have I done today to move myself closer to that goal? Did I just watch TV all day? I ain't gonna do it. However, not saying that we don't deserve days off, but it helps me go, okay, I need to, all right, I need to do this next part of my business plan, or I need to fix my budget, or I need to check in with my writer and see how the new script is going. I need to, you know, have I reached out to anybody and asked them for money lately? You know, like it helps remind me um, what I need to do to achieve that. Sure. Yeah. And did I hear you correctly that did you say I have raised a million? So is your goal written in the present tense? Did yeah. I, oh. yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's written in the present tense, present tense. Million dollars. I have raised a million dollars, my first million dollars. That yeah. way I don't have to come. It doesn't, cause if it's written in the future tense, then it'll always be future versus now. Right. I want it now. Um, so I don't want it to always be chasing it. I want to have it. And so I write it as if I've already gotten it. Yeah. I think that's a really important lesson for people that, that practice goal setting is, uh, and, and it was a reminder for me that when you do set a goal to write it in the present tense, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I read a lot of books about, about how to achieve your dreams. And I also read a lot of books about successful people in my industry and how they got, uh, to where they are. And, and I never, 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 never read a, read a biography or an autobiography about people successful in my industry that didn't do anything to deserve it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it is a story of, I've worked my ass off. This is what I did. You know, even people that, that were born into the circle or whatever you want to call it, they still have their own struggles that they've had to overcome to be able to be successful in their own, in their own right. And, and a part of me is jealous. It's like, yeah, well, I'd rather have those problems, but there's still problems and, uh, and it's still clues to how to overcome what you need to overcome to be able to be successful in your industry. It's great. I love it. It's so inspiring. It's like, okay, if they did it, I can do it. What are some of the titles of those books that are standouts to you, your favorites that you would recommend or share with others? Um, one, one of my favorites is I'm a Badass at Making Money, or You're a Badass at Making Money, I think. And it's written in such easy language. To, it's like very, very uh, conversational, mm -hmm. so it's easy to read. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost like step by step. You know, um, that's how, that's when I decided to start writing my daily affirmations and lipstick on my mirror is because it's one of those things. And, and, and each chapter has these journal type entries that keep you in check. What did you do today to make that happen? Uh, 
or what did you do? You know, it, it helps keep you in track. So I love that book. Um, as far as biographies are concerned, I, I just, I read way too many. Um, and this said, actually, and this is going to sound really cheesy, but the seven habits of highly effective people or whatever the type, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Steve, it's been around forever and ever Stephen Covey. Yeah, it is actually, it's, it's a book I've read three or four times. I even have it on tape. Uh, it's true, you know, and, and, and if you put those practices in, even if you just remember little nuggets from each thing, it helps you, you know, if, if you, you meet somebody, you're like, oh yeah, that'll, that'll expand my circle of influence. And you're like, yes, I need to do that. That's a seven habit. That's a seven habit. So you yeah. do that. It, it's so funny you mentioned that, but that is one of my favorite books. I, I, I don't think it's cheesy at all. I, I love that book. And, and when you were yeah. talking about practicing your craft day in and day out uh, with your group, uh, I thought of, I think it's Habit 7, Sharpening the Saw. You know, yeah. that, that's what you're doing. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great, great book. You know, and I say it's cheesy because it's been around so long and, right. and everybody tells you to read it. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. That's why they tell you to read it is because yeah. it's, it's uh it's it simplifies it in a way that you just you know if you read it enough it, it sinks into your brain and and it's something that you you know put into practice and you become even though it's a little bit more successful everybody's going to have different goals in their lives uh, mine is definitely different than what the rest of my family anticipated me doing or hoped i would do um but they have their choices that they've made in their lives and that they want to be great at and so that any of these books can help you be great at whatever it is that you choose to do with your life. If it's a stay-at-home mom, if it's, you know, a podcast, if it's, you know, whatever, these books will help you just be the best that you are meant to be yeah. as a person. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I read Seven Habits was, I think, in the early 90s. And... Uh, yeah. I, I closed it after I read it and I felt like shit. <laughs> I, said, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do any of this stuff. <laughs> and so uh, I promptly started to. And uh, it, it's, um, I would recommend anybody that hasn't read it to read it and, and just be prepared to be humbled a little bit at first, but stick with it. And, and as you pointed out, read several times because you always pick up something new. Mm-hmm. And. Well, my mom's been telling. My mom told me to read that when I was in high school. Yeah. She gave me Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. Is that is, there's a book that's that? She gave me that, and then I mean I think any leader that I've had in my life has told me to read this book, and that's why I've read it several times. I got to my dance team in college, and she made a, they made us read that book. Um, I reread it again when I was you know in in New York, and then when I got to my new acting school. That you know that I'm a, I'm a member of the repertoire theater. When I started there, they're like, first book you have to read is Seven Habits of Highly. You know, so it's like every true leader that has made a, a significant impact into my life has told me to read that book, and um, not taking away from their leadership because it's their mentorship that's helped me, but that's part of it. You know, of getting them. You know, here's a book that you should try to model your your daily life on. Uh, and then I can help you from there. So reading is a huge, huge thing. Just pick up any book you can and, and read it because they're written by people, hopefully, that have done a little bit more than you have and you can learn from that. Yeah. 
I think it's also important for uh, people to understand when they do start reading the seven habits that uh, one of the things I noticed myself doing was being judgmental towards others. Like if they were gossiping some about somebody, I'd, I'd think to myself, oh, they're in circle of concern, you know? <laughs> and so uh, I had to, you know, pull back and, and not be judgmental. And uh, anyway, yeah, great book. That and uh, another one that comes to mind that's, it's a classic is how to win friends and, and influence, influence people. people. Yeah, just a very basic. I'm trying to look at my, you know, <laughs> my, I've got my bookshelf right here. Okay. Four Agreements is good. I've got that one up there. Uh, it's just Wealthy on Wall Street. I got that one. Uh, There's just tons of, tons of, uh, The Automatic Millionaire. There's tons of just books out there that can like inspire you to make little changes to try to just be more successful in your, you know, in your life. Yeah. And I think that's an important phrase too, little changes. You know, you can't change yourself overnight and shouldn't, you know, there's, uh, uh, <laughs> I felt terrible after I read that book and kind of jokingly, but I, I had to remember there was still good about me too. So yeah. you know, make, make the changes little and, and, uh, you know, well, time, every time I, you know, I set goals for myself all the time, especially daily goals. Like I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to do this every day. And I set this like schedule for myself and nine out of 10 times, most of it goes by the wayside. It doesn't ever fall to it. But every time I do that, there is some one thing that I end up doing daily period, you know? So yeah. maybe I said, I'm going to do all the five of these things every day. And that didn't work out because maybe I was a little too ambitious. But I, one of those things I still do every day, you know. And then, of course, a year later or whatever, I'll re reassess and try to add things back in. And, and so maybe one day eventually I'll have all five or six or whatever it is that, <laughs> that I want to do every day. Eventually, but just don't be too hard on yourself as long as you're, you know, doing the best you can and, and making sure you check yourself and be accountable with yourself. I think you'll be fine. Well said. So I come to my most important question. Uh oh. Who did you root for in the World Series? Ashley. <laughs> Dodgers! <laughs> oh no! Dodgers all the way! <laughs> <laughs> you really have moved all the way to Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. So I've never been a, a Texas sports fan, sporting fan, I, except for Texas A&M because that's the, you know, I grew up in College Station and, uh, and so there's a lot of tradition that was literally in my blood. But uh, I, as soon as I knew I was going to be a professional Performer, I was obsessed with New York, obsessed. And so I was a Yankees fan growing up. And then I moved to New York and I was able to go to the Yankees games. And it was such, it's so, and I still am a Yankees fan. There's so much history in that team um, that I just love. But I needed a hometown baseball team. And so I started going, I love the energy at Dodger Stadium. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And so I try to go a couple games a year. And of course, I was cheering for my home team. Of course. <laughs> LA is my home now. Houston. <laughs> oh, but well. You guys played an amazing series. That was a great series. It, it really was. Uh, oh, well, I was disappointed we didn't win. It was still, you know, you guys won fair and square. And it was a great, 
it was a great series. Yeah, absolutely. No matter who you were rooting for, you definitely got to see some great baseball. And, some great baseball, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, I really appreciate the time, Ashley. And um, just to, to wrap things up, I, I like to end with this question, um, which is generations from now, perhaps your grandchildren or even great-grandchildren are listening to this audio in, in whatever form that is uh, down the road. What do you want to tell them or them to remember about you? Oh, um, well, I guess I'll just answer that by, by what I wish, what I hope my son learns from me as a mom. Um, I, I am not, my son does not live with me full time. He lives in Houston with his dad, goes to school. He comes out and visits me and I, I talk to him every day. Um, but I hope that he learns from me that nothing worth having comes easy. Uh, to to set your sight on something and be be ready and willing to work your the hardest you can and be in and be ambitious enough to go get it um, and and not settle just because it's oh god I'm tired or uh, it's too hard I, I I just hope he never I hope he never settles for something just because it's a little easier to do. Um, and so that's what I hope. I, I just, just work for it. Just go outside your box and, and get it. Cause you can, it's just, you can, you can do it. It's just going to be a little harder than you maybe thought it was originally. And that's okay because you're going to come out of it on the other side, a better person, a stronger person, um, a happier person. And so that's what I hope. I hope my son learns that from me. I really do. And then, in that respect, grandchildren, don't put that on me yet. <laughs> Cola, I hope you're hearing this. <laughs> I hope so. Not yet. He's about to be 10. Less than a month. So I've got hopefully a very long time before I'm a grandmother. Uh, I would suspect so. Well, Ashley, thank you so much. It was great catching up with you. And hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, let's check with that. Check in with me in a year and see uh, see what's changed. Hopefully a lot. Absolutely, would be glad to. And uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too. Bye, Scott. Hey, everybody. Scott here to take another sixty seconds to talk about a sponsor. I'm very excited to have Eurocron Suburban Buzz. Suburban Buzz takes the sting out of your marketing costs. Get your business buzzing with web development, graphic design, social media, digital marketing, advertising, and publishing services, all from Suburban Buzz. Visit SuburbanBuzz.com for more information. Now, the owner, Holly Shervisic, didn't ask me to read this part. I've used Holly's great services for many years. And I gotta say, when you're a small business like me and many of you, you need that excellent service. You need those quick answers and quick responses. That's what you get from Holly. That's what you get from Suburban Buzz. So check them out, suburbanbuzz.com.